Hey, Valley family, welcome to week number two in our series that we're calling What's Next. Uh, We're really uh, looking at uh, what uniquely makes Valley Valley uh, and and really preparing for the future. We believe, uh, you know, the best is yet to come. There's no doubt about that. I have that conviction uh, in my heart uh, as your pastor. And uh, in fact, in this message, I'll be sharing some huge news that's happening literally in just a couple of days. from from where we are right now. And uh, so before we jump in the message, though, I just want to say a big shout out to our Poughkeepsie Valley people and uh, how much we love you guys and all those joining us online as well, college campuses, uh, groups huddled together in dormitories as well. I, I know a group out in, even in Penn State University. And so we just want to give you a, a big shout out. That's why we say we're one church, multiple locations. People are watching at home that for one reason or another, uh, you know, maybe uh, health reasons or just one reason or another can't be here uh, today, that that our online campus can go right where you are. And so we're so thankful for the technology and our dream teamers that work with our tech uh, that make all the difference so that we can be one church, multiple locations. Well, uh, as I said, we're calling this series What's Next. We're talking about what's next for us personally, what's next for our church family, and uh, I really believe 2020 is going to be a monster year, a huge year, that God wants to do so much, and what that means is that we've got to prepare for it, because he's doing incredible stuff right here, right now, through the Valley family. And so if you have your Valley app, go ahead and open it up, week number two uh, of our series called What's Next. You'll be able to follow along, take some additional notes uh, as well. I want to do a quick review of where we were last week as we started off. Uh, you know, uh, we've looked to Church of the Highlands, a church down in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, uh, for a number of years for, for resourcing and leadership and uh, uh, Chris Hodges, the pastor there, actually wrote a book called What's Next. We're just down there, some of the staff this past summer, summer before some of the other staff uh, from our church are down there and, and really just embraced the simplicity is what I love about their whole approach. And so we've been really following that leadership, those res- using those resources for about four years now, uh, maybe even five. And, uh, and I just felt like, boy, it's a great, great time to kind of go back and go through what the fundamentals are, what we're all about as a church family. And, uh, and again, I love the simplicity of it. I think it's the football coach in me uh, going back, the coach, go back to the fundamentals. That's what makes your team really, really strong. And uh, that's what we're doing in this series. And so uh, the key verse that we're looking at is Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. The message translation says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And sadly enough, stumbling all over themselves, that describes a lot of Christians. That describes a lot of churches. Just stumbling, oh, let's do this. Oh, let's do this. Just stumbling. Maybe we'll try this, try that. If you can't really see what God's doing. And then it goes on and says, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And and as we talked about last week, this most blessed, it it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, uh, that you're a millionaire. That's not what it means. It talks about most blessed is contentment. Deep down in our soul, when we realize I'm fulfilling God's plan and God's purpose for my life, for my family, in the world today, I am most blessed when we attend to what he reveals. And so we're answering that question, what's next? What's next for you personally? What's next for the Valley family? And and then we looked at last week, Psalm 16, verse 11, where the psalmist David writes about God, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You know, Jesus didn't, uh, God didn't create you. Jesus didn't come, live a perfect life, die a sacrificial death for you and for me, and rise from the dead so that you could live a mediocre life, so that you could just barely get by, just try to survive. No, Jesus came that you and I would thrive in fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our lives. And right here, David even says, you're going to show me how to live. And, And you know what? As a result of living the way, God, you've shown me the way of life, I'm going to have joy. That doesn't sound like just barely getting by, does it? Just, just barely trying to survive. In your presence, I find joy and pleasures of living with you forever. That's God's intention for you. 
That's God's intention for me, no matter what the circumstances or the situation is, whether it's difficulty or great blessing, that we can actually thrive. We have joy in God's presence because he's with us, and, and we're always aware that his presence, he said, uh, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And so how does this look, this way of life, these four specific things that, that are our focus, as we're just like a laser being focused on these four specific things, everything we do, everything that, every event, every activity, everything we do as a church focused around these four things. And let's look at them again. The first one is this, know God, to know God. And, and, and what does that mean practically, know God? Well, Primarily, that happens on Sunday in a gathering like at Poughkeepsie Regal Cinemas or, or here in our Hopewell campus uh, where, where we worship God and, and then uh, we, we have opportunity to give and, and we have opportunity to hear from God's Word and apply it practical messages that are not so much in the clouds that have nothing to do with everyday life, but we really try to just really make the messages really practical so you can grow and know, you can grow and know in your relationship with God. You can know God and grow in your relationship with Him. And so primarily with that also, know God, what does that mean? Well, lost people are saved. Lost people are saved. And as I mentioned last week, uh, we've just seen an outstanding number uh, of people that have begun a relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time uh, through Valley Christian Church, through our services, our gatherings, just since January. And that number's updated now because last week we had a few more. So 84 people have received Christ as their Savior for the first time since January in our church. Over the last three years previous to that, it's over 600 people. 600 people beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the first step, is know God. And every step after this is really, how do I put it, dependent upon the, the step before it. And so at first it starts with knowing God. And I mentioned last week, we we're, we're real excited about this. Another way that we learn to know God is not just Sunday morning, but, but through prayer. And beginning in October, uh, I want to invite you to every Saturday at 8 o'clock, we're going to have Saturday prayer. Really, really excited about this. It's going to be one hour sharp, 9 o'clock, we're done. But this is for the whole family, even the youngsters. In fact, I want to hold up, this is, this is a booklet that we have for everyone who comes on that October the 5th, and we're going to have limited resources. You've got to be here, and when they're out, they're out. But, but this is literally a book of prayers. It will teach you how to pray through the Scripture. Just amazing that we're going to make available every adult that's here, young person, student. And then for the kids even, you know, bring your toddlers and all. We have this little prayer guide that we've created for the kids as well where they can actually learn as well, coloring, and they can learn how to pray as well. The disciples asked Jesus one time, teach us to pray. And that's what we want to do. That's one of the ways that we can help you to grow in your relationship with God is teaching you how to pray. And one of the things we're going to pray about is about God, we're going to pray for those that don't know him yet, that we'll have an opportunity to reach those in our community that are far away from God that don't know him yet because it's a driving force in our church because it's a passion of Jesus Christ. That's what he gave the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is all about that, people growing in knowing God and growing in their relationship with him. And then the second thing is finding freedom. Know God first, and then finding freedom. Primarily that happens in our small groups, and uh, what that means is this. If knowing God is lost people saved, finding freedom is saved people pastored. That's where the care happens in our groups. In our, in our small groups, Jesus had a small group of 12. And I just think if the Son of God had a small group, maybe, maybe I as your pastor, I should have a small group as well. That's why I've always been a member of a small group uh, 29 plus years that I pastored here at this church. A lot of pastors talk small groups, but they're not even a part of one themselves. And I think it's really, really important. If Jesus had a small group, Greg Williamson needs a small group as well. And you do too. It's a vital part of your spiritual growth. The next step, know God find freedom that primarily happens here at Valley Christian Church through small groups. Because here's the thing, you can't see your future until you settle your past. You can't see your future, the future that God has for you, until you settle the pain, the shame, the problems, the addictions, 
the heartache, the hurt of the past. And so that happens in small groups. And in fact, we're rolling out a whole new approach to small groups in January because our groups have been really, really good, but we believe with laser focus, we want them to be excellent, excellent. So we're stepping up the game. And we, I love the, the quote by uh, Bill Parcells, coach the New York Giants, coach the Dallas Cowboys for a while too. And he said, don't let good enough be good enough. I don't think good enough really is what Jesus deserves. I think he deserves excellence. And so that's why we're, we're reformatting, we're working behind the scenes for our small groups, just a big, huge launch in January. We've got a few that are going on right now, but, but you can be a part of this. If you're interested in leading a group, uh, being a leader at Valley, make sure you attend October 26th or November 16th. That's when we're gonna have our training, regroup training. And uh, these are exactly the same, but we're giving you two options. And we're not only going to have groups that study the Bible. We're not only going to have biblical studies and small group discussion groups um, and and church uh, uh, sermon discussion groups, but what also interest groups. Like I said, if you have a great love for underwater basket weaving, you can have an underwater basket weaving small group at Valley Christian Church. And we want to, first of all, we want to coach you up. We want to equip you, and then we want you to empower you with what you're passionate about and your group, your circle of friends, and maybe some folks you don't even know at this time would really benefit from your passion of underwater basket weaving and also the care that comes as you begin to infuse underwater basket weaving with love for Jesus Christ that you have as well. And so we're going to coach you up, we're going to empower you, we're going to equip you, and then we're going to release you to reach folks that have that same common interest as you. I can't tell you how excited I am about it. Make sure you put on your calendar October 26th or November 16th for our regroup, small group leadership training. So know God is step one. Step two, find freedom. Step three, discover purpose. And that's what we're going to drill down deep into today. Discover purpose. And what happens when people discover purpose? Here it is. Pastored people are trained. Pastored people receive training. Knowing God, lost people are saved. Finding freedom, saved people are pastored in small groups. Discovering purpose, pastored people are trained. You know, I heard this recently. uh, Church uh, consultants survey reveal that 87% of Christians have no idea what their, pers- what their purpose is. 87%. 87% of Christians have no clue. And, and I feel like that's one of my main roles. I think that's the main role of a pastor. Ephesians 4.11 said, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists for the equipping of the saints for works of service that they discover the purpose that God created them for. And so that purpose is not for you to fulfill my dream as a pastor. It's for you to fulfill God's purpose, God's dream for your life. And so many times churches get this wrong. And so where does this happen? In our church where where pastored people are, are trained? Well, that happens in growth track. And we're actually completely redoing that and editing that and refreshing that. And in October, the first Sunday of October, you can jump into Growth Track. We're asking everyone in the church family to go through Growth Track, even if you've done it before, because it's going to be completely refreshed and uh, really, really excited about that. And, and you give us four weeks. Step one is first Sunday of the month. Step two, second Sunday of the month. Step three, can you guess? Third Sunday of the month. Step four, the fourth Sunday of the month. You give me four weeks, and you know what? You'll discover your purpose. You'll discover the unique personality that God created you with. You'll discover the spiritual gifts that God's given to you. And you'll also, you'll discover not only those things and the history of our church and what we're really all about, but you'll also discover how your personality and your spiritual gifts fit into God's big picture in his kingdom of what he's doing on the earth today and the role that you have to play. 
And so this is a huge, huge thing. And, and again, 87% of Christians have no idea what their purpose is. That means as a Christian church in the world, we're failing. Christians have no idea why they're even on the planet. And so it's really, really important. It's, it's a, I kind of get fired up because it's a point of passion for me. I love helping people discover their purpose, coaching them up, and empowering them to fulfill God's plan and purpose for their life. And listen, that's not just a Sunday morning. That's all about the other six days. That, that's Monday through Saturday as well. What you do at work is just as significant as what I do in this church as a pastor. God doesn't think that what Greg does is more important than what you do Monday through Friday, if that's your work week. If you're a school teacher, if you're a bus driver, if you're an attorney, if you're a nurse, whatever it is, whatever you do is just as significant for God as what I do as a pastor. And I want to just empower you those other six days, discovering your purpose. That's why we have this Connexus conference you've already heard about coming up in October. And I, I hope you'll look into that and, and join us for that because it's all about God means business. God's into business. The whole idea of business and entrepreneurship, that comes from God, the heart of God. And people that understand their purpose. Growth track is where it happens primarily in the ministries of Valley Christian Church and through Valley Christian Church. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose. We're gonna drill down deeper on that in just a minute. But then the fourth thing is what we talked about last week. We actually looked at them in reverse order, making a difference, making a difference. And that's where trained people are mobilized. They're released. So let me just give it to you real quickly, broken down here. Know God, lost people are saved. Find freedom, save people are pastored. Discover purpose, pastored people are trained. Make a difference, trained people are mobilized. And that happens in our dream teams here at Valley Christian Church. Did you know it takes over 100 dream team members? Some churches call them volunteers. I just don't think that that, that, that shows how valuable, calling someone a volunteer doesn't show how valuable they are to the, our church. You're, you're not a volunteer, no. Your dream team, because you're making God's dream on this planet come true. You're not just a volunteer and the rest are the paid people. No, you're a dream teamer, because you're helping God's dream for this planet to be fulfilled through serving. So making a difference, train people are mobilized. So let's drill down on it a little bit deeper now. What are, what are the enemies of purpose? Uh, you, you know, of Christians have no idea what their purpose are. I I think there's three main things that that keep us from fulfilling our purpose or recognizing, discovering what our purpose is. Uh, And and I think Romans chapter 12, verse 2 gives us a good idea of why this happens and where it happens. Look what it says, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Uh, That's a real great way to never discover why you're on this planet, why God created you. But let God transform you into a new person. This is what's so important by changing the way you think. And I hope by the end of this message today, I could, with God's grace, help to change the way that you think, the way you think about why you're alive today, the way you think about what your purpose is. Uh, allow, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. So many people ask me, how do I know God's will? How do I know God's will? God says, let me change the way you think. Let me give you my perspective on why you're alive. And you know what? You'll know my will and watch what God's will is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? God's will for your life is good, pleasing, and perfect. And let me just put it this way. If your church experience anywhere else has been less than good, pleasing, and perfect, it probably wasn't God's will that was happening there. Just a thought. Where'd you get that from, Greg? Right here. Because God's will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect, not boring, hum-hum, and and somber. Boring, ho-hum, and somber. That's not God's will. Good, pleasing, and perfect, that's God's will. So what are the enemies of purpose? Like I said, three things that we see here. First of all, confusion. Confusion. People just think, you know, oh, I just evolved, you know, uh, from... from, uh, some, some kind of ape or something like that. So, so, you know, eat, drink, and be married. Tomorrow we may die. 
No, God's got a bigger plan than that. He created you for a purpose. And uh, as I said before, that's, that's where we discover that, and it's actually in step number two, week number two, a growth track. Week number one, you learn about our church and what makes us distinct and unique. And, and, and then week number two, you learn about your spiritual gift and your personality and the clarity that comes. So many people have said to me, man, when I went through growth track, the clarity, and just wait, as we're getting even more laser focused in growth track than we were four years ago when I recorded it the first time, completely refreshing the approach. I'm so excited about clearing, clearing up the confusion. Second enemy of purpose is comparison. When we compare ourselves with other people, don't, don't do that, you're unique. No one person, no, no two people even have the same fingerprints in this world. Don't you think God did that for a reason? Because there's no one like you. Even if you're identical twin, there's nobody exactly like you. I have some friends, grew up with, lived down the street, identical twins. Spent a little time, you could tell them apart. Just a casual observance, they looked alike, talked alike, you know, walked alike. Spent a little time, oh yeah, that's Jimmy, that's Joe. You, you could really see the difference. You're unique. You're unique. So don't compare yourself. And by the way, let me just talk about social media. We do mention this a few times. Don't compare yourself to someone else's news feed because you're watching their highlight reel. You know, no one, no one is, is posting pictures of when they wake up in the, you know, in the morning and just stumbling down the hallway, you know, half awake and, and their hair's all crazy. By the way, though, mine's not. Mine's perfect just like this when I wake up. Just another blessing of baldness. See, the, the glass is always half full. Got to be an optimist. Anyway, don't compare yourself to other people's highlights on social media. Don't, you know, as a pastor, how, what kind of fool would I be to compare myself, myself to, to someone else's, a pastor of some other church? I would never fulfill God's plan and purpose for my life, trying to be like someone else. You know, be like Joel Osteen. I mean, there's, there's nobody can be that kind, <laughs> not me. I, I'll never beat Joel Osteen, you, you know, and, and sometimes people come up to me and go, they, you remind me of Joel Osteen. I'm like, that's just because you've never heard another Protestant pastor speak before. That's all, you, you know. I, I guess I'd rather be compared to him than, uh, than the Pope, but, but anyway, because uh, I don't see any similarities between me and him. But uh, don't compare yourself to other people. You're unique. There's never been anyone in history like you, and there never will be again. That's why God has a unique purpose for you. And don't be a counterfeit either. Don't be a counterfeit pretending to be someone that you're really not, that God didn't create you to be. You know, you don't need a career. God's got more for you than a career. God's got a calling for you. So those three things are really enemies of purpose, confusion, comparison, and counterfeit. God had his purpose in mind, and that's why he created you. Let me say that again. God had a purpose in mind, and that's why he created you. He, he didn't create you and then like, hmm, let me figure out something for Greg to do. He had a purpose in mind, and he said, I'm going to create Greg. He had a purpose in history, and he said, I'm gonna create you. I'm gonna create Steve. I'm gonna create a need. I'm gonna create Jim. He had a purpose in mind. I'm gonna create Rose to fulfill that purpose. That's God. That's how powerful it is when we discover our purpose. See, God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. That's why I love what we offer to everyone in the Valley family, growth track, because you can discover your unique design. And when you discover your unique design in growth track, beginning again, relaunching in October, then you discover God's destiny for you. That's why I'm calling this message today, I was made for this. And I, look, how about that? That's what my shirt says if you're kind of squinting right now. I was made for this. 
you weren't made for what I'm doing right now. I was made for this. God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. When you look at how you were made, it points to what you're supposed to do. And I love that phrase, I was made for this. In fact, we got these, these t-shirts were uh, given to us while we were at the conference there at Church of the Highlands uh, as Pastor Chris Hodges was talking about some of these very things that we're talking about in this series right now. And so I encourage you, make plans October 1st to go through growth track maybe again or maybe for the first time. Happens simultaneously during our services. You'll be hearing more about that as we get up uh, toward October, the first Sunday there. Uh, but that step two in growth track, so huge, where we discover our design and begin to, God begins to reveal his destiny for you and for me. So how does God reveal our purpose? How does God reveal purpose to people? Well, if you were to do a study through the Bible, uh, and uh, you would discover, I think there's four main ways that God reveals purpose to us, to, to any man, any woman. And, and the thing I love about the scripture, the Bible, is we, we see men and women that God uses in incredibly powerful ways to accomplish incredible things for his sake. And, and you know what? They weren't perfect. They were flawed, just like you and me. They were human. I mean, except for Jesus Christ, who was fully man and fully God, every single one, you, you know, uh, just like you and just like me. Jesus was fully man and fully God at the same time, which is hard for us to wrap our head around. That's how we know it's like God, because nobody else would come up with that. But every single man, every single woman, apart from that, just sinners, flawed, failures, failing humans, and God used them in a powerful way. And so I wanna share with you these four ways as we kind of drill down today on discovering purpose, four ways that you can kind of categorize every single person that you see in the Bible that God works in and works through in their life. Four ways that God reveals purpose. The first one is, I'd say, a calling from birth. A calling from birth. And in, in Jeremiah chapter one, verses four through eight, uh, God says some really incredibly significant and uh, transformative things about Jeremiah that also can be applied to you and to me as well. Uh, look at what he says in Jeremiah chapter one, verse four. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God says, before, ever created you, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. See, this is one of the reasons why, just a little parenthesis here, this is why Valley Christian Church, as a church, this is why we are pro-life. Not because of a political position, but because of a biblical position. Because the scripture says, God is the one who forms life in the womb. And God has a plan, and God has a purpose. So we believe in the sanctity of human life from conception to death, that life is valuable and should be protected. From conception to death, not birth to death, from conception to death. God said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And he says to Jeremiah, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And he goes on and says, alas, sovereign Lord. So this is like Jeremiah responding back to God. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You ever wonder why we invest so much and why we have such great people and great kids ministry, Valley Kids uh, here in our church, also Valley Student Ministry, why do we invest so much time and effort and energy in them? You know why? Because you're, you're not, they're not too young. You know what? Dial back the clock a few decades ago, there was this little blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy in kids ministry in this church. His name was Greg Williamson. That's right. Greg Williamson in the, in the student ministry. And, and, and it's so important, again, our dream teamers, these aren't volunteers, these are dream teamers. 
And, and you know what? I, I, I just want every single one to know this, no question about it, whether it's working with in, in the nursery, whether it's Valley Kids or Valley Student Ministry, you know what? You're, you're having an impact and influence dream teamers on those teams and impacting the next generation for Jesus Christ, the next whoever it is. For Jesus Christ, no matter what they do, if they're a pastor or a politician or, or a, a, a teacher or, or a coach or a businessman, entrepreneur, you're impacting. And so I encourage you to speak purpose, speak life into those young people. Because God says real, real clear, do not say I am too young. Listen, I was 24 years old when I became the senior pastor of this church. 24, right here. And it would, have been re- it would have been real easy for me to say, I'm too young. But I knew what the Bible said. Don't say that. Don't say that. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. That's what God's answer was to Jeremiah. You're not too young. You just do what I'm telling you to do. You just obey me, and I'll take care of the results. And he goes on and says, Do not be afraid of them, and here's the thing that's so important, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. So the first way that God reveals his purpose to us is a calling from birth. Second way that God reveals his purpose to us is a growing awareness. Sometimes it's not like from the time where we have this deep feeling inside like Jeremiah did. Sometimes it's a growing kind of awareness that happens. And I think a great example of this is Joseph in the Bible uh, where, where you know the story there, God gave him a dream and that dream was that not only was, would his brothers and his family one day bow down to him, uh, but actually that all the people on earth would bow down to him. That's a big old dream. And then it's like God was kind of quiet after that and one bad thing after another kept happening to Joseph, if you know that story of him uh, in, in Genesis. Everything in his life seemed to be going in the wrong direction. He ends up, his, his brothers are jealous of him. Uh, they they uh, take off his coat of many colors that their father gave to him. They throw him in a pit. They sell him into slavery. They tell his dad, hey, Joseph got killed by wild animals. And, and, uh, and then he's a slave and he's promoted as a slave in his owner's house. And then he's falsely accused of sexual assault. And uh, then he ends up in the prison, in the palace in Egypt. And uh, he, he again finds favor and he arises to be the second hand of Pharaoh himself, who was the most powerful man on the planet at the time. But it seems like as you read that story, it's like one bad thing after another just happened to Joseph. And then the time comes, there's a famine in the land, and his brothers, they come to Egypt to get some supplies. And of course, Joseph is there, second most powerful man on the planet, right-hand man to Pharaoh. And he looks like an Egyptian, they don't recognize him. And they, they beg for resources and food and help. And, and in that moment, just think about it for a minute. Think about all the opportunity that Joseph could have had for shame and for pain and for the, the hurt of the past to continue to harm him. But listen to what he says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, Joseph, could I put it this way, kept his focus on God, and he was able to say all that negativity, all that hurt, all that painful stuff. He said to his brother, you intended it to harm me. God has used it all for good. This is, this is really, really powerful. Don't misinterpret what you're going through. Don't misinterpret the challenge you're facing because God can use anything and God does use anything and everything for our good. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, know God, and are called according to his purpose. And so growing awareness, and you can see this in the life of Joseph, this growing awareness that God had a calling on his life so much so he could say God intended it for good for the saving 
of many lives. Here's the third way that God reveals his purpose to us. Do opportunities open to us? Opportunities open to us. In, in the book of Revelation, last book of the Bible, God actually says that he opens doors that nobody can shut. Opportunities that are open to us. And I think a great example of this is Esther in the Bible. If you know the story uh, of Esther there, uh, she was a Jewish person. They were living in, in captivity at the time. And uh, the king uh, got a, you know, wanted to show off his wife at a banquet. And she said, you know, you're not going to be showing me off like I'm some, you know, good luck charm or, or something like that. And he said, fine, you're not the queen anymore. And then he had a beauty pageant to find the next queen. And uh, Esther was Jewish. And, and she joined the, uh, the beauty pageant, she stood out from all the rest, and she became the next queen. There was, there was someone in the, can I put this, the king's cabinet at the time. This is all in the book of Esther in the Old Testament. And, and he hated the Jews, and he really had an agenda to completely destroy, wipe off the planet, every Jewish person. He hated the Jews. That's, that's, that's nothing new. That goes back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And the story of Esther deals with it as well. He wanted to eradicate the Jewish people, this cabinet member in the king's court. A family member of Esther's comes to her, tells him about this plot that's going on to eradicate the Jewish people, and makes this statement to her, which I think is so powerful. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. And it says, for if you remain silent at this time, now that you're the queen, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family are going to perish. And who knows, but that, and I love this, you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. This is the opportune time. Don't miss this moment. God speaks and reveals purpose to us oftentimes in an opportunity opened up for us, a door that's opened up to us. And then he goes on and it says, she says, I will go to the king even though it's against the law and if I perish, I perish. You didn't just walk into the king. If you just walked into the king's throne room that the, the guards there had command from the king, someone just interrupted the king, they just strike him down dead. Strike him down dead. She goes, even though it's against the law to do this, and I'm taking my own life into my hands, I will risk it all because this is the purpose that God has for me for such a time as this. You know, I think for some of us, God's open opportunity after opportunity, and we have been slow. We've been sluggish, and, and we haven't made the most of the opportunities that God's given to us. And I think for some of us, we just need to, we need to take that step and walk through that open door that he, he's open that no man can shut for such a time as this. I love those words in the book of Esther. You know, my life personally, the story of my life is not being ambitious. Uh, my, my dream for my life, I, I really had a heart for student ministry and I wanted to be a student minister, uh, pastor, till I was like in my 50s. I never really got a chance to do that. It, my story is not being ambitious. My story of my life is just recognizing God opening opportunities, doors to me, and walking through them. This church, even, this is, uh, you know, we didn't start a second campus, multi-site. We didn't start online campus, those kind of things, because it's like, uh, let's get a big church. That's never been the drive. I know some pastors are like, I want a big church. I've had conversations. I want thousands of people. I've heard people say, that, that's not my, that's not Greg Williamson. Mine is just recognized, my story is just walking through the doors of opportunity that God's given to us. I became the senior pastor of this church at 24 years old. That's not what I wanted, but it was an opportunity God gave me, and I walked through it. We started filling this church up so much, three services, what are we going to do? A lot of folks coming from Poughkeepsie down here to Hopewell. Let's start another campus. And so it's not about ambition. And the church, uh, personally, and, and it's not about Valley, you know, being ambitious. We're just going to make the most of every opportunity that God's given to us. But by the way, uh, 
want to mention this. Coming up, here it is, ready? This Thursday night, Thursday, April 19th, Town of Poughkeepsie Planning Board meeting. This is going to be the public hearing for our building. We're at that point already. It's gone a lot faster than we thought it was going to. And we're encouraging the Valley family, especially if you live in the town of Poughkeepsie, but, but at our Poughkeepsie campus especially, we're asking you to show up at the town hall in Poughkeepsie, the town of Poughkeepsie, not the city, the town of Poughkeepsie, uh, for the public hearing there. And we'll release the time. I want to get real zoned in because there's other projects that are uh, on the agenda. I want to give a better idea of exactly when the public hearing will be for our church. And let's just fill that town hall planning board meeting, uh, for the, the meeting for the planning board uh, as is the, the public hearing there just to affirm how excited we are about this. They could actually give us final approval Thursday night, and then we start the renovations, y'all. It, it is crazy. It's exciting. Oh, and by the way, it's going to be the first time for the planning board there in Poughkeepsie. You don't want to miss this. This is worth going on Thursday night that our architects are going to show the 3D virtual reality walkthrough of the finished product of what the campus in Poughkeepsie is going to look like. And uh, you'll be some of the first to see that. I personally, right now to this moment, have not actually seen that. But it'll be shown the first time Thursday, April 19th. Town of Poughkeepsie Planning Board meeting, the public hearing for Valley, and especially if you live in the town, but also just attend in there. We're asking the whole church family, let's fill that room, 40, 50 people from Valley just in support of it, and uh, what an exciting time this is, because you know what? This building is a tool to just reach more, because God's given us this opportunity. This, this building, we bought this building, and uh, when they got appraised the first time before we closed on it, the appraiser said, how are you getting it for this cost? Because we purchased that building 45% off what the list price was. Yeah, you heard that right, 45% off what it was listed for. He said, does someone in the church own this? They're doing a favor? No, not at all. It's an opportunity. It was a door that God opened for us, and we walk through it. We walk through it. And that's one of the main ways that God reveals purpose to us is through opportunities open. So I hope you'll make plans. We'll post on social media what time is the best time to arrive for that, all right? Here's the fourth thing, then we're done. Fourth way that God reveals purpose to us is through what I call a God encounter. A God encounter. And I think a great example of this is the Apostle Paul in the Bible, and originally he was known as Saul, and uh, most of us know the story there, if you've been in church for any length of time. Uh, Saul, he was a persecutor of the Christian church. He hated Christians. They weren't even called Christians in the early church there, as we see in Acts. And look at what it says, meanwhile Saul, Acts chapter 9, meanwhile Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, against Christians. And he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's originally the way, that's what Christians were referred to, not Christian, as Christians. That was later in, in church history in the book of Acts. But, but initially they were called followers of the way, the way of Jesus. And Saul was, was responsible and gave approval to the first Christian martyr when he was being stoned to death, pummeled with rocks, uh, Stephen. And he was searching out those of the way, followers of Jesus Christ, to murder them as well. And look at what happens. The Bible goes on and says, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem to be killed. And he neared Damascus on his journey suddenly, Suddenly, I love this, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him. Goes on and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus spoke to him. You notice this is red letter stuff if you have a red letter version of the Bible. Jesus' words in red. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You're messing with my followers. You're persecuting me. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I love that suddenly. That's a God encounter. One of the interesting things is you see all these suddenly moments in the Bible with other followers of Jesus Christ. You know what? He never does it the same way twice. 
Old Testament, Joseph and Esther. New Testament with, with Paul, Saul who became Paul. He never does it the same way twice, but oftentimes we see there's this encounter, this suddenly moment, and we discover the purpose that God has for us, and he says, get up and go. Take the next step. Take the next step, just like we're talking about what's next in this series. There, there have been some God encounters I've had in my life when I was just a boy, and God spoke to me for the first time as a boy. And I remember I walked in. My mom is at the kitchen doing some dishes, and, uh, and I told my mom, I said, God spoke to me today. My mother was a loved Jesus and woman of wisdom. Instead of saying, no, I, I think you're imagining that. She had the wisdom to say, what did he say? And I told her, God spoke to me and said he wanted me for his own. I was five years old. Five years old. He didn't ask me to preach. He didn't ask me to lead a church. He said, Greg, I want you for my own. The God encounter that I had. My sophomore year in high school, God spoke to me before football season started. And I'll never forget it. And I felt God call me to be a pastor. It was about eight years until that actually happened in my life. But, but, but God call, spoke to me and said, I want you to press on to what I've called you to. Spoke to me out of God's word, out of the Bible, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. When I was a senior in high school, I went down to visit Liberty Christian College in Pensacola, Florida, and I went into the house of prayer there. And I said, God, I don't know if this is where you want me to be. I don't know if this is where you want me to go to college. I'm just going to stay here till you speak to me. And it wasn't it wasn't suddenly for me. It was, seemed like a couple hours went by. It was a long time. And then I felt God speak to me and say, Greg, everything you've ever hoped for, everything you've ever dreamed of is waiting for you here if you'll just come and commit to be here. Those four years Bible college changed my life. I met Susie there. God encountered a moment, a moment God can speak and it reveals our purpose, and it changes us forever. I believe God wants every single one of his children, those who follow him, to have that, that moment, those encounters, just like that. I'm not special. I'm no, no, no more special than you are to God. God encounter reveals his purpose. I think even now as I'm talking, God's speaking. I think he may be even speaking in this moment to you. Don't miss this moment. Let me end with this. God created me on purpose for a purpose. God created you on purpose for a purpose. Did you hear that? God created you on purpose for a purpose. You're not an accident. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of your conception were or the circumstances of your birth or what's even happened after that. God created you on purpose for a purpose. God created you on purpose for a purpose. Just close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes. I want you to listen to this. Just open your heart and listen to these words. There's never been a more truer statement. God created you on purpose for a purpose. God created you on purpose for a purpose. Now with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, let's just pray right now. Father, Lord, we just thank you that although we may not have had the clarity all our life that we need that you want us to have, Lord, that perhaps for the first time today we're recognizing you created me on purpose, for a purpose. And Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would lead us, guide us as individuals, and as individuals that make up 
the Valley family, that we would fulfill, we would discover, and we would fulfill every single purpose that you created us on purpose to fulfill. Thank you, Lord, that our lives have even greater value than we've ever imagined because we were created on purpose for a purpose. Thank you, Lord. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to just give you an opportunity today, if you've never taken that first step of knowing God, of placing your faith in Jesus Christ and receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today, right now. Right now. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to lead you right now in a prayer that you can just repeat after me, even in a whisper. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is between you and God. Just open your heart up to Jesus right now and repeat these words after me if you've never prayed and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He lived a sinless life for you. He laid that life down on the cross as a sacrifice for you. And he rose again for you that you would receive forgiveness through his life, his death, and his resurrection. So just repeat this prayer after me right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his life, his death, and his resurrection from the dead for me. And Father, I receive Jesus today as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, I turn from my sin and I ask you to lead me, guide me, direct me from this day forward and I will follow you. Amen.